about a year or so ago, we started a tradition of praying a simple prayer for illumination before we read the scriptures together. And the reason is simple. God is the holder of all things, and he gives graciously. James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. And so we come together before the Lord and ask him for wisdom and understanding of his word together. Let's pray. Jesus, you often spoke in parables, and that was often confusing for the people. So as we read some of your parables this morning, we pray for our hearts and minds to be opened and humbled, and that you would deepen our understanding of what you are teaching us. We pray that you would guide and protect Matt's words as he preaches, and let this all be for your glory. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, in your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, 
and in another 30. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. This is one of those Sundays where I look at what I prepared and I'm like, why did I prepare to do all this? And I can already hear my wife reminding me, you know, you're the pastor. If you want to expand it to next week and the week after, you can. What we're doing is uh, spending a lot of time looking at the Lord's Prayer. And then what we're doing after we finished each clause of the Lord's Prayer is looking at the rest of Matthew. Because when you pray, Our Father... Whether you realize it or not, you're asking, what kind of a father is he? What kind of a God do I pray to? And Jesus utilized 14 times in Matthew uh, stories, parables. It's like the fiction section of Barnes & Noble, where we have made-up characters that tell us a story that reveal true things about God. Are you fans of fiction? I think nonfiction is important. But I think fiction is really important. Uh, oftentimes, I'm in mean, all sorts of pastor text threads. Somebody who knows how to get out of text threads, come and coach me after the service. I'd need to be in less of these group text threads. And they're always talking about new books that they're reading. And I do read Christian books, but I almost always say, to the, same th- say them, the same thing to them. You need fiction in your life. You need a book that you just love the story and turning the page. The parables teach us things about God because Jesus chose this method to speak in parables. In one section of Matthew, it says that he never taught them without utilizing parables. Uh, In Matthew, there are five main discourses, five sections where Jesus talks a lot. Uh, This is the third of those sections and the fourth. Uh, Chapter 13 is the third section. Chapter 18 through 20 is the fourth. Oftentimes, Jesus chose a parable to answer... um, either a more profound or a broader or a different question than the one asked of him. You remember the last time somebody asked you a question and you chose to answer probably a bigger or better question? Members of our finance committee love to do this with me. I'll ask them a simple question and they'll answer a broader question because they can tell that I don't understand some of the things as thoroughly as they wish that I did. It's getting better though, right, Joseph? It's getting better, yeah. Peter asked Jesus how many times... Should I forgive as many as seven? Which would have been a very generous answer from the way he was raised. And Jesus answered with a parable. Then not only, first he answered the question, he said 70 times seven. And then he told a parable that displays to us the ugliness and incredible danger of receiving God's forgiveness and then not learning from it to forgive others. When Jesus tells the parables of the kingdom, we learn what true religion is. We learn what faith looks like. What it looks like to be received, trusted, and followed. I'm so thankful for the gospel. Because sometimes I do something foolish and I feel a great deal of shame. I was a little bit curt with my 14-year-old this morning, and the reason is because I somehow, in the middle of the night, cut the end of my nose. And it wouldn't stop bleeding. 
and I'm trying to finish transferring my notes so you people get a coherent sermon or something approximating one. And so I'm a little bit rude to her this morning. I don't even think she remembered because when I saw her this morning and said, I'm sorry, saw her later this morning, told her I was sorry. She was like, what are you talking about? Which is what my children often say. But I'm so thankful for the gospel because oftentimes I feel shame and the truth of the scripture would say, no, that's illegitimate. And then sometimes they would, yes, you should feel some amount of shame for that and then go and tell the person you're sorry and then repent. Well, part of the guidance that we receive from God is in the form of parables. And so I think it's important to do that work. We need nonfiction, right? One of the most annoying seasons of my marriage was when I was reading a 3,000-page biography of Winston Churchill. And I always wanted to talk to Rachel about Czechoslovakia in the 1930s. And she, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, she did not want to talk about Czechoslovakia all the time. And I read in the book, when his physician buried him, he said, we lay, Eng- we lay Winston in the English earth because in his finest hour, dang it, I messed it up. We lay Winston in the English earth, which in his finest hour he held inviolate. And I start crying. And Rachel's like, yeah. And I'm like, he saved Western civilization. And she's like, that's enough. You're gonna need to, you need to call someone else if you need a shoulder to cry on about Winston Churchill. I think nonfiction matters. And there are scriptures that are more straightforward than parables. I think poetry matters. How many of you had to read... Um, wow. Brain, come on. Not, not, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you were in the first service. How many of you had to read The Outsiders? You know where S.E. Hinton's from? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good folks from Tulsa, Oklahoma. On page 67 of The Outsiders, uh, the main character tells, uh, read, or recites a poem to Cherry Valance. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour. As leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief. As dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. I thought it was beautiful. I read it over and over and over again until I had it memorized because it was the first time I had seen poetry that helped me understand something. We need nonfiction language. We need poetic language, and we also need the fiction language of the parables to become the new scribes and Pharisees. Remember, this, I think this is a key to understanding Matthew. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. That language may not seem accessible to you. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Understanding God's message, the Old Testament and the new, and then living in light of its truth in the world is what we are called to do. Jesus is not anti-Pharisee. Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee and became a follower of Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and became a follower of Jesus. There were some bad ones. We'll talk about that in a minute because the parables actually explain it quite well. We are called to both understand and then follow the pursuing love and then the commands of God. And so... 
we have some work to do to understand the parables. The parables of the kingdom explain. The parable of the sower tells us in excruciatingly clear and accurate language why some people give their life to Jesus and then fall away. I was at a family wedding a few weeks ago and many of the people there used to say that they were Christians and they don't anymore. And I'm telling you, Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 13, his explanation of the parable of the sower is excruciatingly accurate. Right? He explains why even some religious people don't respond to the gospel, the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net. And parables often have more than one point. One of the things that's confusing about studying the parables is some of them have one point. Some of them are one sentence. And others have multiple points. The parable of the weeds and the parable of the net also tell us indirectly part of uh, why does God allow evil? It's called theodicy. That question is, is labeled by some as the question of theodicy. Do you wonder about evil? You wonder why there's so much of it? parable of the weeds and the parable of the net explains not, it doesn't conclusively answer the question, but it gives an answer to it, part of the answer of the scriptures. Why is it that so many religious people didn't respond well to Jesus? I think the, the parables would say in parable form, People that practice a religion regularly are less likely to see how, need, how desperate their need is for God to live the perfect life that we couldn't live because they've been practicing this religion their whole life and therefore it was harder for them to hear. That's in the scripture that Meg just read us. Some percentage of, the, of Israel rejected Jesus. We don't know how much. The disciples were followers of Jesus, and 11 of them were great. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, so many women named, especially in Luke's gospel, but many in Israel rejected Jesus. Why? The parable of the two sons in Matthew chapter 21 explains, in part, and foreshadows that this message, this good news, is for everyone. The parable of the tenants in chapter 21, the parable of the wedding feast. Explain this. We know more about God's gracious and purpose-giving heart through the parable of the talents and the lost sheep and also the parable of the two sons and the laborers. I love in the parable of the laborers. So what happens is a landowner hires people throughout the day and pays them all the same. And when there's complaining, the, main care, the landowner does not shun them for complaining. But he doesn't apologize and change what he did either. I love that. How sympathetic of God to understand that sometimes we're going to think grace is not fair. And at least in this parable, Jesus is like, okay, I'm still going to give my unmerited favor to whom I choose to give it to. 
parable of the talents. A man gives a certain amount of money to one person, five talents, a certain amount of money to another, two, a certain amount of money to another, one. The person that's given five talents because apparently he was more gifted at making money. Some of us have more gifts than others. He makes another five. Yay! And he says, enter into the joy of your master, which is what we receive when we trust and follow Jesus. To another, he gives him two. That man doubles it. To another, he gives one, and that guy buries it in a field, which wasn't weird because they didn't have banks, but it wasn't what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to utilize what God gave him for the glorification of the kingdom. And then, and this is where I love Jesus' storytelling style. He creates a lot of tension in the parables. The man says, I knew that you were a jerk. And so I was scared. I'm paraphrasing. I knew that you were a jerk, so I buried my talent in the field. And the landowner, who at least in some measure is supposed to represent God, says, oh, you knew that, did you? Then it was even more foolish that you buried it in the field. And then he gives another reference, sixth time in the book of Matthew, to hell which is both a present reality for those that are not following Jesus and an eternal one. And I'm not representing the book of Matthew if I don't tell you that. Jesus doesn't tell us everything about that, but he makes sure that we know that to be without God with the covering of Jesus is horrific, both in this life and in the life to come. He put another parable before them. This is in chapter 13, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. One thing I just learned about the parable of the mustard seed is people that grew up Jewish would have heard this and been bothered. Because what did they want the kingdom to look like? Rome out. So for Jesus to teach this indirect to us, because most of us did not grow up going to Jewish school, but for them, this would have been an, at least annoying, if not offensive, or not what they wanted. I think of this as an illustration, because it's also this, of how the pursuing love of God looks small when we first begin to trust it as a follower of Christ but eventually offers us stability and shade and good to those around us. But this parable, though brief, has multiple points. Parables of the kingdom explain and illustrate. In Galatians 5, Paul uses a similar illustration in Psalm 1 to the one that Jesus is making here. When you receive the pursuing love of God and then trust it, and over time, learn to trust yourself, your natural instincts less, learn to trust the world less, but in God more. You are being grown like a mustard seed into something good for those around us. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is what the kingdom looks like 
in the life of those that call Jesus king over our mind and emotions and decisions, our money and our gifts. When we know the healing power of Christ, we long to trust him more and more like this merchant. And what I mean by healing is understanding and integration of the wounds you've received in your life. Okay? That's what I mean by it. When we know that we can receive actual spiritual rest, Matthew 11, we're so thankful that we long to trust him more and more like this merchant. When we know about how good of a guide he is, a little more straightforward with the first service because we don't live stream it. And I know none of your families are as messy or messy like mine, but just bear with me. I'm with all, that was a joke, come on. <laughs> I asked a non-rhetorical question in the first service, then I asked a rhetorical question and I was not clear which was which. My fault. Words are hard. I welcome you to use that short phrase whenever you're having trouble communicating. Words are hard. I was at a wedding, and there were not a small number of challenging relationships in the room for me, even though I'm very mature spiritually. There, you got it that time. My delivery's getting better. Outstanding. What do I do? Forgive Use my words for encouragement. Say truthful things. These are basic Bible commands, right? But do you realize how good of a guide God is? Not only in understanding him, but how to interact with one another. Don't retaliate for perceived or imagined aggressions. I was so thankful for that guidance. And what the parables do is they inspire and help our imaginations understand the beauty of what happens when we trust Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. I've been really enjoying baking bread. I made some a few weeks ago and the cats knocked it on the floor and the dog ate it. I was so upset. So then I baked another loaf that day. This is about 50 pounds of bread, is the description Jesus is making. As you trust him, and increase, increasingly trust him, you produce good for those around you. How encouraging is that? Because on our good days, we long to love the neighbors he's put into our life. Well, in trusting him with our actions, with our mind, in prayer, and in life, we bless those around us. The parables of the kingdom explain, and they illustrate, and they motivate us to follow. Listen to how incredible of a storyteller Jesus is. Chapter 25, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. This is how they went to weddings. The bridegroom would walk there and people would join him along the way and go to the big party. It's awesome. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Verse 5 is interesting to pause on for a second. All of you have been sick and tired of disease. Me too. Well, when Jesus returns, disease will be put away. And you're tired of the fact that he has not returned. Jesus is acknowledging that in verse 5. It will at times, perhaps often, seem like he is delaying his return far longer than we would like for him to. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Do not wait to live as becomes a follower of Jesus. That is how I summarize end times teachings, which is what, in part, this is a multi-purpose, this parable has multiple points that it's making. But the main one is, do not wait. Do not wait to be generous. Do not wait to learn to use your words for encouragement and truth speak. Do not wait to avoid lying. Do not wait to forgive. Though be wise in how you do relationships, note wisdom and foolishness is discussed in the middle of this parable. Don't be unwise relationally. But do not wait. The parables explain and they illustrate and they motivate us. The second parable in chapter 25 and the last parable that Jesus teaches in the book of Matthew is the one that I already summarized to you. It teaches us that we're given different gifts and abilities in different measure. And that through the utilization of our gifts for God's glory and the good of neighbor, we enter into the joy of the master. That's in chapter 25, twice. The parables that Jesus told, they explain, they illustrate, they will challenge us because we didn't go to Jewish school and they will still motivate us to follow him. And when we pray, our Father... Our familiarity with the parables tells us what he's like. Loving and generous. Offering us not only his unmerited mercy, but also calling us into purpose. Even us, with our limits and also our calling. When we pray our Father, we know what guidance we have to him. We know what matters to him. 
and our hearts are comforted even as he delays his return. And those of you that are not followers of Jesus, I hope I am representing him clearly because his offer is so good that a trusting relationship with him is the only avenue of joy in this life and the next. It is free because he did all that work. It is good. It's the only thing that will give peace to our hearts, joy and purpose to our lives, and a release from all of the pollutants and terrors of this world. Would you pray with me? God, as we consider these stories that your son chose to tell, would you comfort us, convict us, and encourage us? Would you motivate us not to exhaust ourselves, but to serve you with gladness and singleness of heart? Amen.